statement, and I hope, uh, as I've said before, that you are being inspired and encouraged and motivated and challenged and all of those good things that, uh, that we can be when God's word comes to us and we look to the future and we say, hey, Lord, where, where do you want to take us in this journey? Um, as I've reflected a little bit uh, uh, on the Noah story, which is the story from which I've been speaking, I recognize what a great story it is. Like, don't you think so? This incredible dynamic of, of God breaking in the world that, that, you know, from his perspective, if you would, had just gone wrong. He created in his incredible and beautiful way, but it had become characterized by violence and by evil. Yet in the midst of that, that tragic reality, God had a plan and God had a purpose to save. That's what this story is about. God doing something that God needed to do to just cause this world to be renewed. And God came to Noah and he said, you know, Noah, I want you to build an ark and I'm going to save you and your family and I'm going to deliver you and through you I'm going to start over again. I want you to hear that. I'm about to say probably in about five minutes what I would normally take a whole sermon to talk to you about because I want to give application to the point through the, uh, through the vision, of course. But God, God comes to Noah, and essentially what God is up to is he's saying, I want to start over again. So let me read chapter 8 of Genesis 15 to chapter 9, verse 1. Then God said to Noah, this, by the way, is after the ark has landed, the flood is gone. We're kind of taking this monumental leap till post-flood, all right? Come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground so they can multiply on earth and be fruitful and increase in number on it. So Noah came out together with his sons and his wives and his wife and his son's wives. All the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds, everything that moves on land came out of the ark one kind after another. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and taking some of the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of humans. Aren't you glad? <laughs> never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures seed time and harvest cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. And that is a critical verse. Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. Do you hear an echo of something as I read that verse to you? Have you heard those words elsewhere? already in the Bible before we get to chapter 9 of Genesis? These are the very same words God used in Genesis chapter 1 when he said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and increase in number. Same words. God had created once, you see. God had, had, had this vision of what the world would become. And he, and he created Adam and he created Eve and he, he told them to fill the earth and be fruitful and multiply is the old translation. And having destroyed evil in this context, he's starting over again. He's, it's a new beginning for humanity, so much so that this vision in Noah's story is ultimately not about building the ark. Building the ark was the vision God gave Noah, but what was God's vision in this story? <coughs> Excuse me. God's vision is for a new reality to be formed, a new creation to begin again, if you would. 
You see, God had this dream, and God was refusing to give up on his dream that the world would become what he created the world to be. So in this instance, he chose his people, and he delivered them through the ark, and he protected them in the midst of the storm. He saved them, and through them, his intention is to create again this reality of humanity, which he envisioned it becoming. And I want to say to you this morning this, and I know this is a lot in a few minutes, but Noah's experience was essentially being caught up in the God story. He's at the front end of it, but he's in the early chapters of this story, if you would. <coughs> Excuse me. But it's part of the journey, if you would, from creation initially to the sin coming into the world and evil of the fall, and then the story of redemption all the way to Christ and his death and resurrection and his intention to take humanity and the whole world to restoration when the world would become what God intended it to be from the first instance he created it. And you see, what, it, what we're given here essentially is a picture. It's a picture of the whole story. Can you see it? The picture of a, of a world that would be in Jesus Christ. The world had fallen into sin and evil. It was under God's judgment. And God acted by saving through providing the person of Jesus to save. He became the means of deliverance. He became the one through, through whom we would be protected as, as we found ourselves held safe in Christ. Do you see the parallel? Who is the ark? What is the ark? Thank you, Pastor Joyce. From one preacher to another, right? <clears throat> but this is a critical point. I don't, want to, I don't want you to miss this. You see the picture that we are given in the story of God saving through the ark and producing a new humanity and how it's essentially telling the story of what would be in Christ, how God would look at the world in its brokenness and save through the person of Jesus to ultimately create a new humanity someday, which is yet in our future. God, through Scripture, talks about the reality of someday there would be a new heaven and a new earth when people who would know him and who would love him, just like in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. And there would be no sin and there would be no evil and there would be no brokenness. And that world would be dominated by the rule and reign of the person of Jesus Christ in the best of senses. And that world would, would, would be characterized by justice and by righteousness. And, and it would be ruled by grace and by mercy and by love. And you see, what we have in this story of Noah is a lot of things, but maybe most simply it's a picture of the God story and the intention of God for humanity and for God creating a new humanity someday in Jesus when he comes again in his fullness. And the world being what God always envisioned the world to be. Isn't that awesome? Who thinks that's awesome? I think it's awesome. I think it's really, really <laughs> Really cool. Now, what does this mean? Now, there's the sermon which I'd normally take 35 minutes on, and you're all laughing. You never speak for 35 minutes, Chris. But, you know, roughly speaking. But what does this mean now for our vision here at IPC? What it means is very, very simple. We are called, as was Noah and was his family, into God's story in our time and in our place to help create a new world as we reach out with purposefulness and with intentionality. You hear what I said, IPC? Just as Noah and his family was called into God's story, so we are called in, into God's story in our time and in our place to create a new world, to create the world as God intends it to be. This is our purpose. This is, this is why God has formed the church. We have a task. We have a calling to fulfill the incredible dream of God for this world. 
Mm. I want to read to you sentence eight. And then later on today, sentence nine of our vision. These are the last two sentences in our vision. We see a growing church. And this is, by the way, where this, this passionate, outreaching church and desire becomes a reality and vision. We see a growing church where people share what God is doing in their lives through stories of personal transformation that draw many people to faith in Jesus and impact the region in such a way that one loca location cannot possibly contain the blessing. You see, we all see a lot of people, we who have gone to God and say, what is the purpose of the church and what are you calling us to? These elders who have come together prayerfully before God and say, Lord, what would it look like? We see a lot of people coming to know Christ through us. Entering into faith, a faith they didn't hold previously. People being saved from the storm and from the judgment of God, if you would. And how's that going to happen? It's going to happen by our people, listen, sharing stories of personal transformation that draw many people to faith in Jesus. That's the strategy. That's the plan that we think God has given to us. That's, that's, that's the way we see this happening as we go forward. People who so encounter and listen to the first seven sentences all of a sudden in our vision, and if you've been here, you'll know them. And if not, you can read them on the wall out there. But you, people who are so encounter the power of the Word of God and the healing work of the Holy Spirit that they are transformed. They are formed into people who are mature followers of Jesus. People who en engage small groups and all of their expressions in this place and fellowship and community and the Word of God transforms them and impacts their lives and brings them to that point of knowing and experiencing God. People who have encountered ca compassion groups so that their wounds are, 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 are healed. People who grow up in families where faith is passed on generation to generation. People who are engaged in worship on a regular basis and where prayer is central to their faith. All of these people so encountering God in the ways the vision has already described that each one of us have incredible stories to tell about what God has done for me. And as we tell these stories to people out there, others will be drawn to faith in Jesus. So that dozens of people come to know him. So that hundreds of people, can I say that? Enter into a relationship with God through the faith in the person of Jesus Christ. What a vision. Can you imagine hundreds of our people sharing their stories of God and of Christ at work in their lives with hundreds of other people out there in the community, what God might do with such sharing of stories? My goodness, would God use that? what God would do. Now I want you to note the location of evangelism, the location of sharing the good news in our vision. It is primarily out there in community. Most people, when they think about this ministry of the church, tend to think, tend to think of, well, that's something the pastor does on a Sunday morning. You know? Um, I want to tell you this. I'll keep sharing the message of Jesus on a Sunday morning. As you go out, as you learn how to, to share these stories so that people are, are, whether you encounter them at work, whether you encounter them through serving opportunities, whether you encounter them in your neighborhoods, you're so taken by the reality of what God has done. You find people who, whose interest is piqued and they are sensitive and they are open to the things of God and, and, and they want to know more and you bring them to this place. Yeah, I'm going to tell them about Jesus as you have been telling them about Jesus. And God is going to do incredible things. 
But I want to say this, and I want it to be heard and understood. The biblical model, if we're going to embrace it, if we consider ourselves followers of Jesus and desire to be like him both in heart and in terms of action, we have got to be people who become passionate to tell others of Christ <laughs> and just take that initiative and enter into that dynamic in a new way. Think of Jesus. You know, remember he was walking along one day and there was a short man called Zacchaeus on a tree, in a tree? If you know the story, great. If you don't know, go read it. He could have walked right by Zacchaeus because he was busy with other things. But he said, come on down. I want to go into your house. We're going to have dinner together. There it is. Remember the woman at the well? Jesus was waiting for his disciples to come back with food. And, and this woman came up to him. She, he shouldn't have even have talked to her according to the cultural norms. But he entered into a relationship. He broke down the cultural barrier and the ethnic barrier out of love for that woman. And all of a sudden, she comes to this place where she understands the reality of who Jesus is. Think of, of Matthew sitting at a table collecting taxes. He's the despised tax collector. And Jesus said, come follow me. You see, you look at the life of Jesus, and he just lived his life with a deep passion and a desire to draw people in to faith. He told them the good news over and over again that God has come and that God has provided <clears throat> deliverance, that God has provided protection from judgment, that God has provided salvation. Now I want to tell you there's, there's a challenge in this, and I think you're probably sitting thinking, hmm, me? Do that? I know what the culture says about the church, and it's not positive. I know what the culture says about keeping faith to ourselves. Keep it in your buildings, we're told. But I want to tell you, my friends, and then we're going to illustrate this, and this is absolutely critical. When people have a dynamic living relationship with God and when they're experiencing him in profound ways and when they have a story to tell, they, like Jesus, will have a passion to share the Lord. And as they do, people will come to know him. I want you to watch this video with me.
That needs a moment of pause, doesn't it? I think that is such a creative way to say what I have just said. If this message was just left to me, how many people would never hear the gospel? And I know this is going to be a challenge, and I know this is one of the areas of vision which has scope. We envision a church which won't be quiet anymore. And we will train, and we will enable, and we will provide the means to help. But we envision a church that so encounters God that it can't shut up about him. And as the people of God take up the opportunity with joy to share Christ with those who don't know him, many will believe. Dozens. Hundreds? Why not? In the one we have come to know. So, primary, focused strategy that we intend to embrace and we invite you into. Second part of sentence number eight, if we could have that put back up again, please. And it's a very cool sentence that I hope it has piqued your interest. That we're going to draw so many people to faith in Jesus and impact the region in such a way that one location cannot possibly contain the blessing. What does that mean? Well, very simply, what it means is that we envision having satellite churches led by IPC. Multiple expressions of IPC in our region. Other places which we ha where we can, and we've used this phrase, replicate the DNA of IPC. Uh, come, to, come to a place where, where we, we, we expand, if you would. And the idea is incredibly simple. If what we are doing works here, I hope that doesn't sound crass because it's God who is working it in us. But if this is working here, why not do it elsewhere? You know, the reality is, I don't know whether you're aware of this or not, but churches are dying all over our country, literally. They are being closed. Our presbytery in the Presbytery of Paris is closing a church in Delhi this fall. Another one. And after that, there will be another one. And after that, there will be another one. I heard a statistic. I can't say that, that I mean, it's hard, honestly, for me to believe, but <clears throat> I assume that it's correct. But somebody from the United Church of Canada was speaking at a conference, uh, which I attended, and said that 80% of United Churches in Canada are expected to close in the next 10 years. Let me ask you a question. Why are so many churches closing, but we're not? And I don't want to be proud with that at all. I'm not saying, hey, aren't we a wonderful church? But my friends, God's doing something here. God is at work among us. And if we can replicate the DNA of IPC in other locations so we keep the message of Christ alive in communities where the message of Christ is not being spoken, I think that's why churches are dying. If I had to say it in, in, in simple fashion. We simply want to be a church which allows the way we do church to find root in other locations. What we might do, what we intend to do is to call a staff person to lead in another town or, or city in our area. What we can do is, is have that person uh, begin to form community, if you would. The preaching that is here can be provided there. That's not difficult anymore, whether it be me or otherwise, going into the future. You know, what we can do is, 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 is have some of our bands potentially travel because they work in a four-week rotation. You don't know this yet, bands. But, you know, what about going to another location and providing incredible worship leadership but with, in those contexts until... This is possibility, okay? This is, you know, this is the way we kind of envision it, but we'll see what God says. But, you know, why not provide that great worship to smaller communities until they can draw people into their church who can participate in the leadership of worship similar to what we have? 
You know, what we can do is we can have life groups formed and right at the core of their being is fellowship and authentic biblical community and, and there is pastoral care given, if you would. You know, we can have churches which have the power of the word of God central to their dynamic, the healing ministry of the Holy Spirit weaved into their beginnings as a congregation. We can have children nurtured in families so the faith is passed on and creativity and innovation part of what they experience from day one we can provide leadership training you hear what i'm saying when we can replicate the dna of ipc in different locations so that people people's lives are profoundly impacted as we focus on and this is sentence number two the redemptive story of what god has done for us in christ and in those contexts, my friends, I want to tell you the reality is that people will so encounter God that they too will have stories of personal transformation which they can share with other people so that many others are drawn to faith in Jesus. You know, I want you to see it. I want you to understand how do we grow, how do we impact the, the community, the region for Christ? How can we participate in the Lord renewing creation and bringing it to a place as he did with Noah and his family, which was more of what he intended it to be? That's exciting. So we want to be a church which, which is reaching out, which is passionately going, which is engaging the community and engaging people in love and telling them of the remarkable thing that we know of the person of Jesus Christ, inviting them into it. Let me read the second sentence or sorry, the, of this morning, number nine in our vision. And this speaks to the going out. We see a serving church compelled by God's love. Think of that. <laughs> compelled by God's love and motivated by Christ's commission, the Great Commission. Actively engaged at home and around the world in mission endeavors that enable individuals and communities to find wholeness and eternal hope in Jesus. <clears throat> Let me say this. We remain passionately committed to being a missional church. This, this speaks to the continuity between the old and the new that I've mentioned to you before. The reality is that when Jesus calls people to faith, he says, come to me. Come into relationship with me. And then when people come into relationship with him, he says, go into the world and transform the world. Go and that's such a key word that five years ago in our last vision presentation, we spoke about so, so much. Jesus sends us out to be sent ones, which is literally what missionaries mean. Part of our vision is, is encouraging every single person who calls IPC home to think of themselves as a missionary, a sent one, got, sent into the world to love and to care for people in their brokenness, to share the love of God, to tell the message of Christ. You know, we can go into the world as we serve people if they're hungry by feeding them, if they're, if they're physically ill by working toward healing through prayer and just loving. We, the people who are struggling and hurting and, and really broken in this world, we can be there for them so that God might work in their lives to restore them. My, my, my friends, this world is filled with incredible need because of sin and evil, quite frankly in the brokenness of what the world has become. And we are called to do something about it. Think again about Noah. God said to him, go into the world and form the world. Go into the world and fill it with, what word would you, would you put in that slot if I left it open? I would suggest to you, he said, go into the world and fill it with life. Life that is rooted in me. You know, I love the Jesus story. Let me say this. Jesus 
you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the stories of the life of Jesus, Jesus did not go to the temple and sit down ready to teach people and say, okay, come to me and I will tell you the good news. We have a couple of stories in all of those Gospels about Jesus in the temple. He did not go to the synagogue and sit there and say, well, everybody come to me and I'll tell you the good news. Now, let me say this. Being in the temple was really important, and being in the synagogue was really important because those are experiences of worship first and foremost. And as you know from our second sentence in our vision, worship remains incredibly important to who we are. It is absolutely essential for the building up of the people of Christ. But my friends, these things exist in, in large measure in our vision, <clears throat> as I've described to you, so that we might be built up so that we will, would be enabled to go. You see, Jesus went to the community. He was compelled by the love of God to go into the lives of people out there. The movement was from in the internal to the external so that a new world could be created. He had a passion to see the world changed, transformed, and he wouldn't sit and wait for people to come. He was passionate to go to see what God might do through him, God his Father, so that the kingdom of God would become a reality so that we, there would be a world of justice and of righteousness and of mercy and of grace and a world in which love prevailed and nothing other. And my friends, I want to suggest to you, to this we are called. To this we are called. What is the purpose of the church? To this. That we might go forward and the gates of hell will not prevail against the advance of the church of Christ that we might go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go, go, go. Taking the reality of God to the world which is in desperate need of him. God wishes to make an impact out there through us as an obedience to Christ we go, compelled by the love of God, as the statement said, to minister to people who are in need, whether it be physically or spiritually or emotionally, so that the kingdom comes in every area of life. Sentence number one. You see the dynamic reality that's at play in this vision? So what will this look like? How do we continue? I want to say that, but how do we continue to go? How do we continue to do other than just sit and wait for people to come? How do we be like Jesus, who had this love in his heart for people who were broken and lost and under the judgment of God, to not sit in the temple, not sit in the synagogue, but to live his life among the people? so that the people might find faith and enter into this thing called the kingdom of God, so that life might be formed in the community by faith in Jesus. Well, we envision, uh, there are lots of means, but we envision developing the downtown ministry that jo Joyce has spoken to today. God has richly blessed what we have done downtown over four and a half years. There are times now, I don't know whether everyone knows this, when including the team, which is a relatively small team, but there are 50 people, 5-0, who come together, the disadvantaged, the broken, the hurting, the struggling. I mean, it's not that we don't struggle. I struggle, you struggle. <laughs> Those folks have their own distinct struggles. And they need loved in the way that G Joyce described to us today in a profound way. And they need to know of Jesus, and they need to find life in him. And those people come together and they make a meal together and they eat the meal together and then they worship in the way Joyce has described and the, the, the message of Jesus is communicated to them in a way that they can take hold of. People are coming to faith in Jesus probably there more than anywhere else in our ministry. It's incredible. 
And what we envision is having our own facility downtown Woodstock, either purchased or rented. There's lots to be developed in this plan so that God can continue to care for people who really need him. You know, having our own facility would allow us to do so much more. And again, I'm just going to throw some of these out here as, as possibilities. We have yet to discern exactly what this would look like, but will he be calling us to feed hungry people more than we are? Will he be calling us to provide clothing for them? Do they need to learn life skills and, and life skill training? Do they need job training? You know, do, w will it be that we'll provide shelter to people who don't have shelter? We don't know, but we do know that what God has led us into, we want to go f after further and with more passion to make a difference in the lives of these people. So that's an exciting thing for us. That's a big step to move in that direction, but we feel called. We want to see more missional communities such as Picnic by the River form in our church. I want to speak to the reality of, of our refuge missional community, which, by the way, had its last meeting on Monday night past what happened there is that when, when, when uh, the refugee crisis hit the news, there were people in our church, and I want to emphasize the point, who looked at w what was going on, and they saw the tragedy of what was going on, and they said among themselves, we cannot leave that alone. As a church, we must do something. Let me put it this way, compelled by love, they were driven to action. I want to tell you our refuge ministry, which has brought the Jala family from Liberia to Canada, was not started by or envisioned by our elders. It was not envisioned nor initiated by our staff. It was initiated by the people of God who saw a need and were compelled by love to do something about it. And we would love to see, love to see that sort of dynamic repeat over and over and over again in the lives of God's people. As God's people grow in faith, as they are impacted by the truth of the word of God, as they become mature believers, and i.e. become literally like the Lord Jesus in heart and mind in terms of lifestyle, that people will look at the need in the world and say, we are compelled by love, we must do something. And the idea is that those ideas will rise up out of God's people and people of like mind and like passion and like desire will band together and form a missional community and then give themselves with intentionality and purpose to going out into the world to serve a group of people who really need served and who really need love and who really need to know of Christ. We actually have a little box outside today. We're going to ask you to sign up for a number of things, if you wish, in terms of outside ministry today. We have a little box, which is simply a suggestion box. Is there anybody here right now who sees a need that shouldn't be left alone, who are compelled by love to do something? Maybe there are others in our church, and if it's of God, there will be others in our church who would work together with you to give yourself with passion to the reaching out in love for people who desperately need love. Fill out a little suggestion slip and drop it in the box, and who knows what God will do. We also have the opportunity, if you want to work downtown with Joyce and her relatively small team to minister to those people, that you can sign up for that as well today. You know, I'm not quite sure why our peace, uh, Picnic by the River ministry is so blessed, but why, quite frankly, so few people from IPC are engaged there. I don't quite get that. I don't quite understand that. But I want to tell you, my friends, we feel called to it. God is at work there, and we are calling others who might come together with Joyce and the team that she has and, say, and just say, let me love people into the kingdom of God. Let me bring the reality of the kingdom by serving in that context. You can sign up for that as well. Another primary means of reaching 
at home, we'll get to around the world in a minute, is very simply that we see through our life groups, we envision through our life groups a day when all of our life groups get absolutely passionate about asking God this question, Lord, how can we be used by you? How can we be used by you? How that they together can develop a vision to meet a particular need and together they can go into community just compelled by love to serve people. Maybe not to the extent that a missional community would, but simply building relationships, entering into the lives of people who are struggling and hurting. And it doesn't have to be the poor. It doesn't have to be the disadvantaged. It could be a community. What about a, a, a life group saying, hey, you know what? Wouldn't it be cool just to serve Interkip? and just meet the needs of the community of Interkip in some way. You know, there are so many opportunities, so much need, so much, you know, uh, reality that has to be transformed by the reality of God at work through his people. Remember this, we want fewer internal ministries so that we can have more external ones. I think this is the third time I've said this in this series. And it's not that the internal ones aren't critical. Worship is critical. Leadership is critical. Leadership training is critical, etc. In order for this movement to catch wind and to be powerful as we enable the people of God in order to go. But listen, we don't want to tie most of our people up inside the church building with, with activities and, 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 and uh, meetings and so on and so forth, so much so that that's where they spend their time and that's where they give their energy. We want our people out there in the world, missional communities, life groups serving, so that the world can be changed in the way God envisions the world being changed. I want to tell you, if Jesus Christ physically was walking planet Earth, as was the case in the stories of his life in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he would spend most of his time out there, not in here. And I want to tell you, my friends, if we want to be the body of Christ in this world, the physical and spiritual representation of Jesus today, and that's what he calls us to, we must do the same thing. So I want to challenge life groups. I know you're beginning to meet now, lots of them in our church, and it's an incredible and a wonderful thing. I want to challenge you as you begin to meet this year to speak together, to talk together, to pray together about the possibility of meeting on a regular basis, but maybe taking one of those nights in a week and just say, how can we go into the community to serve, to take the love and the reality of Jesus to people who need him? Don't let a life group be the end point where, where you gather together and our needs are met, which is an incredibly important part of life group experience. But don't let that be the stopping of what a life group is intended to be from that place of enablement and empowerment by God move forward into the community. You see the motion? It's from internal to external, from empowerment to action in the name of Jesus. And the end result of all of this, people and communities will what? find wholeness and eternal hope in Jesus. Really briefly, let me, let me just say this. We do not exist and do what we do in ministry just to meet people's needs. We want to meet people's needs. It's a connecting point. God wants their needs met, but we also want them to find eternal hope in Jesus. We need to form ministry in such a way that the people of God will love people and bless them and care for them and provide for them in whatever way God calls us to, but we will also share the message of Jesus who came and died on a cross that individual people might find forgiveness of sin and be drawn into a relationship with God. 
So as we go, we love and we speak. We serve and we communicate the gospel. Now, this isn't going to happen only in our local community. That's what I've spoken to already. But it also is going to happen around the world. <laughs> around the world. And the area that we have focused on, as many of you will know for many years now, as we think internationally, is to focus our energies and our attention and our time and our heart on what we now call the Mission of Hope ministry in Nicaragua so that lives can be impacted in the same way there that they are impacted here. You know, I was thinking of, of this when I was preparing, and, and I thought, you know, it's highly likely that most people at IPC literally really have no idea of the impact that we are having in Nicaragua. And I say that because as we partner with very effective agencies on the ground and as we raise funds, it's something like sixty dollars to $70,000 a year to enable teachers to teach better and pastors to be better pastors and so forth. You've heard of that before and you'll hear of it again. I think the impact that we are going to have there is going to be generational. As little kids come to know Christ, as they hear this message of Jesus, as they experience this dynamic of love and they grow up as followers of Jesus, who hopefully and with God's blessing will become mature followers of Jesus, and as they move into positions of leadership and in time their children lead in, move into positions of leadership, that country is going to be changed because we said yes to God and because we became passionate about taking a church which is vital and alive and, and dynamic in Jesus and we were willing to go and to serve and to love in Jesus name you know um, the reality is that uh, um, we have a team going in January you can sign up if you want you can connect with that team I don't know whether you can go this January because it's kind of formed but if you have an interest in going to Nicaragua if you have an interest in supporting Nicaragua please do it follow the leading of God and, and participate in that outreach I want to conclude by saying this. You can look at our vision, and there are nine sentences in that vision. It's on the wall out there. There's a little booklet again, a little Gospel of John you can take home with you. On the inside cover, uh, covers, the entire vision is written. You can look at sentences number one to seven, and you can see they're all about building up Christ followers, you and me. And then you can look and you can see eight and nine, the ones we've looked at today, these sending out sentences. And you might look at that and say, well, since there are seven of the building up verses, they must be more important than the sending out, uh, not verses, sentences. There are only two at the end, so they must be less important. My friends, listen to me. If the purpose of the Christ, of the church, is to create the new creation of God, if the purpose of the church is to build the kingdom of God, those were the words Jesus embraced. Then one through seven are in place so that eight and nine can happen. <laughs> They're not more important. They're actually facilitating the reality of the church becoming what God intends it to be, the church fulfilling its purpose in terms of going. And I, just, I just want to say this. What does it mean for the people of God to embrace vision? What does it mean for us to hear of this vision? <laughs> in ways that I hope are inspiring, in ways that have, has the potential to have the potential to make great impact in the world, I want to tell you this. It involves us taking a step forward. It involves us not staying the same. It involves us as an organization about uh, functioning differently. We have a whole set of goals and objectives that lie behind the vision and, and the mission statement. We as an organization have to choose priorities and limit what we do so that we can have impact 
in this world of ours. But how will it affect your life and mine? Have you thought about that? I think maybe today you may have thought of it more than any other sermon I've preached. I want to tell you, my friends, we are invited to be like Noah, to hear the call of God and say, okay, I'll step in. You've got salvation to do. You've got a, a means of salvation that has been provided. I'll enter in. I'll enter into Jesus, and as I enter into Jesus, so I enter into the mission of God in this world, the mission and the ministry of Christ in this world. So not only and not most importantly do we become like Noah, we have the opportunity to become like Jesus, whose heart and whose passion and whose desire and as a result whose lifestyle was given over to creating the world that God still envisions. That world which God has given his son to, to death and ultimately to resurrection so that we might create this dynamic which is in his heart. God has purpose. God has desire. God has a story from beginning to end. And in our time and in our place, he says to us, as he said to Noah, as he said to Jesus, and as he said to Paul and Peter and Matthew, and I could go on and on and on, he says to us, and I could name each one of you as I could name myself, will you step in? Will you step in to create the dream? See, God refuses to give up on his vision of this world. And he has formed his church that we might participation, participate in the creation of that reality. My friends, today you can sign up for the Nicaragua ministry, probably a year hence, but still let people know. You can sign up for Refuge uh, Ministry, which is going to function again from the year 2018 to 2019. We're thinking seriously about bringing another family, uh, another refugee family into our midst, into our community. You can sign up for Picnic by the River, where people with tremendous needs gather every week and are waiting for people to love them in the name of Jesus and tell them about their Savior. And you can drop a suggestion in the suggestion box if you are seeing a need and God has put it on your heart that a missional community might form. My friends, let's step in. Let's say yes to God. Let's participate in what God passionately wishes to be done in this world of ours so that this world of ours might be made new. Let's pray. <laughs> Lord, it's incredible to follow a God with such, such incredible vision. And Lord, from the creation to the experience with Noah to the coming of Jesus to the formation of the church, you have refused to let go of your dream of making this world the way you want it to be. And God, in our time and place, we're here to say yes to you. We're just ready to step in as a congregation. We're ready to dream the big dream with you to be empowered by your spirit that we might go. So God, I think of sentences one to seven and I think of these people before me and I pray that in all of those expressions, these people will be deeply impacted and transformed and empowered and enabled so that eight and nine can become a reality so that we can move from this place into community in exactly the same way Jesus did, bringing the salvation of to this world and to precious people who need it. 
Lord God, I pray for all of us here. I pray for us as a church that you will lead us in this journey. Much is yet to be defined. But God, we're passionate and we're committed and we're eager to make a difference in this world. Bless us, Lord, as we seek you. Empower us. Move us by your Holy Spirit so that someday we'll look back and say, oh my goodness, what God has accomplished through us. Lord, you've done much. Just God, move forward.